I'd like to thank Workplace from Meta for supporting this podcast. To make your place of work a great place to work, visit workplace.com slash human. Leaders have never been challenged in their career as much as they are today. With technology empowering the voices of customers, many leaders are realizing that we're now in a perpetual state of always-on transformation. It's time for disruption, a transformation of leadership, and a transformation of ourselves. But what rules do we play by when you want to create this change? This podcast is about how we as leaders must transform ourselves to make it all work. My name is Charlene Lee, and these are the new rules of disruption. Have you ever experienced a power shift? Let me tell you about mine. I was a brand new consultant working on a case in Amsterdam, so not even in my native country in the United States. And we're presenting to a client and my partner after a break didn't come back. He was a senior partner in the office, in the practice. And it was just me and him at this company presentation with a client, a very key important client. He didn't come back. He didn't know where he was. And the client team was just looking at me and saying, so what are we going to do now? So I got up on stage, walked up to the front, started presenting the deck that I had helped write. And then after about 10, 15 minutes, the senior partner came in and he just waved at me. He's like, keep going. You're doing fine. So that was a huge power shift that all of a sudden I was thrown into a position and had to really take on that mantle of leadership and and lead the discussion, lead the client along this journey. And I was at the ripe old age of 23 doing something I had no right to be doing at that stage of my career. And that to me was one of the uh, most interesting power shifts because it was a moment of disruption for everybody in the room. It wasn't the person they expected up there, uh, an old wizened man, knowledgeable with his experience. Instead, they got a, a short Asian woman, an American on top of that, <laughs> talking about something. But I had done the research, I'd done the work, and had credibility and was able to, to lead in that situation. I share that story because what we will be talking about today is the power shift, about what are the roots of power today? How do we gain power? How do we use power? How do we lose power as leaders? And it's not the way that we had in the past. The ways that we gain power, have credibility, and are able to produce results are very different today. And we'll be going through all the things that you need to know about the new rules of power. I became interested in power when I was writing my senior thesis. The title of it is Dealing with Declining Dictators, a U.S. Foreign Policy Towards Iran and the Philippines. And I looked at how the United States was able to, or not able to, in the case of Iran, transition from authoritarian leaders like the Shah of Iran or Ferdinand Marcos into a democracy? How do they do it and learn from their experiences in Iran? And it's interesting because when you're a dictator, you have absolute power. And yet when you realize that your time is up, that it's time for a transition, how do you make this transition from 
places where people were used to not having any power to them being able to be knowledgeable and able to, to exercise it without things falling into chaos. This is the monarch's dilemma. And it is a dilemma that many leaders are struggling with because we realize that this time when we had absolute power, where people looked to us for all of the answers, that is a model of leadership from the past. If we want to move from a, an authoritarian command and control form of leadership into one that is transformational, we're going to need to know how to not only get and use power in a different way, but also to share it. This sounds like a lot of unnecessary work, especially given the huge to-do list on your leadership agenda. The reason why this is so important is that if you want other people to be part of this transformation, they will need to feel that they have the power, they have the permission, they have this idea that they can make a difference. Because if it's only you that maintains power and holds onto it, then you're the only person creating a change. But if everybody else is sharing in that power, then everybody is able to create exponential change. This is rethinking power in a very different world. In the old world, we thought of power as a scarce resource. Either I have it or you have it. If I get power, you don't have it. In this new world, power is in abundance. Sharon Melnick, the host of the Power Shift podcast, and a leadership coach who has worked with over 35,000 leaders at Fortune 500 companies explained how this works. The more you empower others, the more others can spread your message, can carry out the tasks uh, you know, of the project, the more others can bring their energy into creating the culture that you are trying to create. The most powerful person cannot create culture change because they're only one person, right? So it really depends on creating a sense of momentum. You have more power than you think. And when you share this and grow this with others, that is the way to make a world that you and everyone else wants to live in. And when you share power, when you give people power, you all gain power together. It is a completely different mindset in terms of thinking of power, and I'm looking forward to getting into it with you. The traditional way of thinking of power is about your title. It's called positional power. And you have the ability, because of your position, the title that you have, to give rewards to people and also to punish them for bad behaviors. That is now being challenged by a new type of power, one that is based on your network, about the references and the connections that you have, and also about the fact that you are an expert in an area. This is a different type of power, and in many ways, it can be even more powerful than this positional power. So if you think about positional power and referential power, what we're seeing is that referential power, that network power that comes from the power of being able to speak on a platform and amplify those voices in order to challenge positional power that is not listening to them. In this world, connection is the new power. Your ability to connect with people to form, again, that relationship with people. And that doesn't require that you have a title. It doesn't require that you have a particular role or in a certain level within an organization. There are tools now that you can use to understand 
the true power and the connection of people in an organization. And you find because of the meetings that people are in, the emails that are being sent, the collaborations that are being done, that there are new centers of power based on who is connected, who is respected, and who is actually making things happen inside of organizations. When it comes to this new form of power, it's interesting that women in particular are extremely good at this. It's because we are so focused and attuned to relationships. We cultivate them. It is a prime activity for us. It is the center of our being. And because of that, we are tapping into these new forms of power and challenging the positional power. In some ways, I I almost think that positional power was designed to tamper down this incredible referential network power of women. Because if we can make sure that the people in position are there and protected from this type of connection power, they're able to maintain their power with people who are like themselves, primarily men. And now when we're challenging these notions of power, positional power with referential power, there's even more of a battle going on. How will we actually elevate? What are the criteria that we are going to use to elevate people with? If it was based on position about who you knew in those contexts, then women actually have a tremendous advantage if we are able to connect and make sure we're tapping into those networks. So it's a combination of positional power and referential power coming together that is going to really rock the world of how we're seeing leadership development work. One of the ways I've personally used referential power uh, to advance my career is to use the power of social networks. As a entrepreneur of a new startup, challenging the old guard of these giants, well-known companies like Forrester and Gartner and IDC, I realized that the only way I could develop that type of presence was through the networks that were out there and through the connections. So really went out there and developed all these connections with people. And as a result, we're able to position ourselves in many ways at the same level when we were a minuscule, tiny little startup in the space. It's the power of those connections, again, that allowed us to gain brand to gain power in the marketplace that even extends now 13 years after I started the company. This points to, again, the incredible power of being an influencer, of being a thought leader. There's no title that was given to you by a company that made you an influencer. There's nothing other than your thoughts that you lead with. And yet these are challenging the establishment of power in all of the organizational and positional power that they possess. So we're seeing that these two things are starting to really challenge each other in terms of how power is forming. Charlene here. If you're listening to this and thinking, I'm ready for more, then I want to let you know about all the resources available on my website, charlenelee.com. There you will find my latest books, articles, videos, courses, and more, all built to help leaders and organizations see the future and thrive with disruption. I've worked with top companies ranging from Adobe to Southwest Airlines. I've also spoken at conferences like the World Economic Forum, World Business Forum, and South by Southwest. And on my website, you will find many of the things I have shared with them. So go now to charlenelee.com 
to transform your leadership today. One of the keys to understanding power is that we think power is about being in control. But we have to admit that we were never in control. We just didn't know it. And when you understand that, you can actually have impact with the power that you have without ever being in control. It frees you from thinking about having to have a title before you can act. It relieves you from having to ask for permission before you can realize that you had always the power to make change. Here's leadership expert Sharon Melnick again, describing the two levels of power that people have. You have to be in your power in order to use your power. So the first level is being in your power. So that's about uh, being aligned in you, being centered, showing up as your best self, being confident, being clear, etc. And then there's using your power, which is how you influence others, how you create an outcome. Both of these are based on the Latin root, uh, potere, which means to be able. So it's to be able to be in your power or to be able to influence others and create an outcome. When we realize that we always had the power, always had the agency to be able to become that leader, to make that change happen, things begin to change rapidly and exponentially. Because when people around you see you exercising the power, they begin to believe that they too also have power. The new way of thinking about power is that you actively, quote, give away power and, quote, empower employees. In reality, you're not ever actually giving away power. (laughs) They always had it. They just didn't realize that they had it. And It's not really empowering them because if you empower them, they'll be waiting for the next time, waiting for you to say, okay, it's okay. You have permission now to go forward and act. Instead of thinking about this whole idea of empowering people, I like to think about the idea of agency, about people becoming aware that they can become an agent and they can impact the outcomes of their career, of their jobs, of the opportunities they see in the marketplace. The reason why that's so difficult is they've been told their entire lives that you have no power. Sit down, shut up, stand in line, do what you're told. And yet when we say to them, no, we want you to go out there, take risks, be innovative, be disruptive, they're looking around and going, you go first. What are the boundaries for being able to do this? And so they don't even realize that they could do this and they're not used to it. So we need to be able to give them that sense that they have personal power, that it's not about positional power, it's not about your title, but that because you are a person, you see things, you have a mind and a brain and skills, it's time for you to use them. And we encourage you to use them. Passing that power, helping them find their power is a key component of the new rules of disruptive leadership. You have to acknowledge, first of all, that you are not the person in power, that they are the ones with it, and help them find and realize their own sense of power. Most of your employees will not know how to do this. They won't know what to do with so much power in their hands. So give it to them slowly so that they learn. In the beginning, they may be coming to a meeting with a problem and expecting you to have that solution. 
Instead, ask them to come with suggestions on other solutions. At the next meeting, next time this happens, ask them to make a recommendation of which of these solutions would be the right ones to follow. At the next meeting, then say, well, what would be the first steps you would take to make that decision happen? And as you're passing this power, as you're helping them find that they have this power, and more importantly, as you are helping them gain the confidence to use that power, it's super helpful to have boundaries, to have guidelines, to know what are the limits of what they can do. Because unless you clearly define this, they will not feel comfortable and safe stepping out of their original role. If the world is possible for them, it looks way too scary and too big for them to handle. So shrink it back down. Just give them one, two, maybe three options. But that first step of experiencing control, experiencing power will be exhilarating for them. And if you make it safe, maybe a little bit uncomfortable, not completely uncomfortable, they will want more. One of the most interesting power shifts that we've experienced over the past year is the movement for social justice. And I want to explore why it felt so hard, why it felt so disruptive. The reason is because when you're standing on the side of the status quo, we never realized what it looked like on the other side. We couldn't imagine what it looked like. And when it came face to face to us with the death of George Floyd, when we saw power being exercised in such a disproportionate way, that there was no turning away. There was no way that we could ignore it. And what we saw literally happening in front of us was power shifting from the privileged few to the masses of people who said, we're not going to stand for this anymore. We want justice to be served. In that time, in this period now, when power is shifting, we are incredibly uncomfortable. We are disrupted. And we feel this because we don't know where it's going to end up. If I was in a position of power, am I going to lose out now? If I wasn't in a place of power, how do I use this? How do I act? And how do our relationships have to shift? My study of disruptive organizations is that this is the reason why disruption is so difficult, why it feels so awful. It is because there is a power shift happening. And until we figure out where power will end up, we will continue to feel disrupted. So instead of backing away from it, I believe leaders now need to move into this, to look at the power shift that must happen for disruptive change to take place. The new rule around power shifts is to anticipate where they need to be happening, be ahead of it, and to actually make it happen faster so that you can move through this time of disruption move through this transformational time into a time where things are becoming more clear where power is going to land. One of the ways to increase abundance in your organization is to practice inclusion. The power of inclusion is that when everyone feels like they're a member of the tribe, when they are included, when they're an insider in that inner circle, they know what's going on, then they feel safe and they can drive the kinds of change and disruption that you would not be capable of if there wasn't that level of trust. And the power of being included means that you don't necessarily have to leave parts of yourself at the door. I know that growing up as an Asian American, there was tremendous pressure 
to fit in, to be as assimilated into the environment I was in. And therefore, I would have to leave things behind. And yet at the same time, those were the distinct parts of my identity. I remember in elementary school bringing my Chinese and Japanese lunches to the lunchroom and people just saying, what is that weird food you're eating? And my first reaction was, this is delicious. You should try some. And when I included them in that cultural experience of myself and when they included me and accepted me because of that difference even, that was the foundation for so much trust. And from that trust comes that power. When we think about where power is today, the most disenfranchised people are the ones who oftentimes can help us find all these other voices, help see that future that we don't see ourselves, to remove the biases that we may have in our lives because we don't have a new and different type of experience. So the challenge here as a leader is how do you have people fit in while still allowing them to stand out? Instead of thinking about culture fit when you're hiring, think about culture ads. How can we create an environment now that respects all the individuals, but yet creates a cohesive whole? This is the place where no more checking at the door, no more code switching has to happen. And in fact, what we're seeing is this incredible acceptance of people as they are. So the power here comes from when you allow people to be able to fit in and yet stand out. You're trading off this positional power that comes from being one of the people who are exclusively given that power to becoming somebody who may have that connection power into communities that you may not serve, who may be an expert in an area. And by elevating these people who may not have access to traditional uh, forms of power, you're actually accumulating and distributing power throughout the organization. When we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, oftentimes we point at some research that shows that, hey, when companies have more women, more people of color in positions of power, in executive leadership positions, in the board of directors, they do better. They have better profits, better revenues, better and higher stock prices. Well, the reality is some of them do. This is not about the numbers. It isn't that you simply add people into those positions and they suddenly, you turn around the prospects of the company. Instead, there's something fundamentally different about companies who have diversity in the ranks. And that is they allow every single person to come in and be included. It's the power of inclusion up and down and throughout the organization that is different. They have gone through a transformation. They have gone through the power shift that changed the views of what is leadership, what is power, what is culture, to allow all these different groups to come in. And it acknowledges that when we do this, when we are opening up and including people in this experience of power, that the company fundamentally just operates and performs better. So if you want to have a transformational organization, don't think about it as just a diversity exercise. Diversity in of itself is a transformation along with the digital transformation and the business transformations you have to go through. It is one and all of the same thing. When you become a strong transformational leader in one of these areas, the other areas will benefit as well. 
Rule number three: recognize the power shift. Hey there! Thanks for listening to the New Rules of Disruption. We created this podcast with the hope that you would be inspired to become a disruptor. Disruptors don't just blow things up; they also create and build things that result in huge positive change. This is a change that the world needs now more than ever, and we want to hear about what change you are creating in this world. You can send us your disruptor story by visiting charlenelee.com/podcast. That's C H A R L E N E L I dot com slash podcast. If you are enjoying this podcast, I have one major ask: please share it with a coworker, manager, or a friend. Let's build communities of disruption together.